0: The Ain't No Fang Podcast. From Arizona sports. Ain't No Fang. I know this is an Arizona Diamondbacks-themed podcast, but uh, that's not going so well. At least we have the Suns. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. That's Derek Montia and Cody Fincher as well here on the Ain't No Fang Podcast. That's what the D-backs thought yesterday, too. Get right. your
1: stink off of my sons. Get your Diamondbacks away from my sons. The D-backs died so the sons can live. You know live. what's
0: funny? I proposed, I think last week, that the D-backs, knew, when they come up with new jerseys, they should come up with the Valley. They should just wear what the sons wear. That's a terrible idea. I know. Terrible a idea. terrible idea now. But then the team... They're the Serpientes. Then the team showed up wearing sons attire. Except for Catal
2: Marte, who was wearing a Phoenix Mercury jersey. Shout out to him for representing
1: cool. the, the the true champion in this valley. But yeah. uh, get your son's gear off, especially you. Uh, looking at, you're looking at me. I'm looking at okay. I'm, Do you mean me? No, you're I at don't me. mean you. I'm, okay. I mean you, Alex Young, oh, with okay. your knockoff Booker jersey. Look, I know <laughs> those valley jerseys are hard to find, but I don't want you right. going on Etsy to buy one. <laughs> you stay away from eBay, you go to the NBA store like the rest of us, and you wait just like Steve is for his PlayStation 5. Now yeah. let's get this thing rolling because I want to get back to my PlayStation 5. The, the, the <laughs>
2: tweets last night that people were you know, retweeting the d tweet with all their son's gear, it, it was bad. They're awesome. like, oh, this is why
1: the son's lost. The, the Arizona Diamondbacks ended their 17-game losing streak this past week. I was there for the game covering right. it. And one of my favorite parts about that game was when the uh, social media person from the Diamondbacks tweeted out, this is much more fun after a win. I know the eh. team gets a lot of flack, but they can ignore it. They can put their phones down. They can go on with their lives. A lot of people aren't adding the players in their tweets that are negative about the team. You know who they are adding? The team. And that social media person, <laughs> their life must be a nightmare with what's going on uh, with this yeah. team this season. Yeah,
0: I think you just probably would just try not to bring it up. So much, you know. Try not to show the like pictures they tweet of them out- in the Suns' gear. Well, yeah. when
1: the Suns lose on the day, they tweet
0: out every night the the score of the game, which lately has been you know L L L L, and they're like, oh, maybe tomorrow. And I'm like, don't even tweet it. Don't even tweet the final score. Yeah, oh,
2: just don't they, tweet it. It's, it's pro- kind of a- it's progressively gotten worse. It's like, oh, I almost had that one to final score, and then one time, the last time I looked, they didn't even say a word. They just tweeted the picture. Better of the days ahead, or
1: something like that. I'm like. No,
0: not really. It doesn't feel like Are you it. telling
1: me we can't stay positive, Steve? No, we cannot. Look, I am as cynical as they come, not at but this point. you got to stay positive. There's Why? good things happening. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, Josh Reddick tra- changed his plate music to... Uh, Ric Flair's theme song. That's awesome. Uh, And that's good. Speaking of plate music being changed, I want to thank Cattell Marte and David Peralta for listening to this podcast, because after we complained on the last episode, uh, Cattell Marte changed his plate music, and David Peralta stopped doing the TikTok videos after the wins. The one win. But that
0: only made sense, because it's...
1: It's not practical to do that at this point. I don't think
0: they have. You can't be celebrating when you win twice a month.
1: I'm skeptical about uh, Weaver's injury not occurring during one of those dances. Frankly, oh, I don't know. Have you seen him? He was putting it all out there on the dance floor. I'm just saying, at this point, wild (laughs) speculation seems like the way to go. I would be, (laughs) I would be hammering them if they were still doing those celebrations. I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. With with the situation, I think the the you know locker room is probably pretty bleak. We've heard that they're not doing any music. You know, uh, I think. Good, no I th- music. I think it was Josh, no fun. Josh Reddick said that it Brad was. Brad Pitt walked in there and hit the stereo <laughs> with a baseball bat. Wham! Well, I think. It's like, losing like, fun? Reddick said it uh, that, you know, or or maybe it was Vote, but they just talked about it being fun after that one win that ended. The losing streak, no, no fun. I don't want Here's the thing: (laughs) you're not allowed to have fun from covering the team and realizing that these are real people. The one thing you can take away is you got to celebrate the small victories, even if that victory is the end of a 17 game losing streak that was historically bad for this franchise uh, and embarrassing to the current team. You still got to do something to just live in the moment and enjoy the moment, right? You, You can't baseball. You have to have a short memory, regardless. You got to forget the losses, you got to forget the wins. There's 162 games to be played. If you go around holding on to that stuff, there's there's no way you can live your life without, you know, having the stress and pressure on you at all times. I think that, you know, obviously the losing comes from that pressure. I think the pressure to break these losing streaks to not be as bad as they are to be the guy at the plate that gets that big hit that changes the score or whatever is is causing a lot of this you know, this loss. If you want to say what's really causing it, though, it's all the injuries. Cattell Marte, in the first inning of a game that his hit was only one of two hits against the (laughs) opposing pitcher. He left the game running around first base gingerly because it was a ground rule double, so he didn't even need to come in that fast, and he pulled not the same hamstring, his other hamstring. It was his right hamstring before this one, his left, or it might have been switched. I'm Mixed up this on one, that. Was left- this yeah. one was your point remained. This one was his left hamstring. It was his left. Was his left yeah. This one, right.
2: But like, I every time I see Catal Marte go down with a hamstring injury, I have to. I always think center, center field. field you got
0: it. Dirty, But dirty. wouldn't it have
2: been any different if he was playing
1: second base? No, it wouldn't have been, but we just like to I blame know. it on center field. We, I, we okay. like I like to blame, to, it, on like it, to blame it on the fact that he's running way more than he would. He really is. And I mean, it's a sprint, right? Because some of these balls, especially with how bad the pitching has been, are just rockets off the outfield wall. Yeah. You know, they're hitting around. I saw one hit, like it didn't go for a home run, but it hit the that awning, the overhang in center yeah. field and took a really weird bounce. Yeah. I'll give Marte credit. He played it correctly. He didn't go in deep. He just kind of backed off it and waited, knowing it was either going to go for a home run or it was going to bounce off that railing, that area. Uh, it, and he played it as well as he could. But it's, it, it is it is a chore to play center field for this team right now or outfield for this team with the way that the opposing pitcher or, or our pitchers are giving up hits to the opposing batters. Not to mention the fact that... They're running the flip- around a lot. <laughs> not, not to mention uh, the Diamondbacks are tied... For second to dead last in the league in home runs, by the way, I don't know when the last time I saw a home run get hit when I was at a game. Uh, now Eduardo Escobar had a pinch hit home run, his first of his career, the other night, uh, and I was not present for that. But that was uh, the last. That's that's probably the one home run that they've had since the last episode we did.
0: Let's talk about Escobar real quick, because there are some rumors swirling that he might be on the trade block, and certainly he appears to be one of the top items available, so to speak, as we head closer and closer to the trade deadline. We're at the end of June, and the trade deadline is next month.
2: Yeah, so the... The team that's out there right now that has been linked to Eduardo Escobar is the Chicago White Sox, because they just lost their second baseman, Nick Madrigal, for the season. I can't remember what his injury is. I think it's a knee injury or something like that. So but he plays second base. Yes. Eduardo, And Eduardo can play second base. Um, I don't know that he's good I at mean, second base. But... but he's a bat and he's a switch hitter. <laughs> so, I mean... He would provide some pop in that lineup, especially
0: since they've lost, what, Eloy Jimenez... Uh, L- Robert, Luis Robert. I don't hurt. know if he's out
2: all year or if, uh, currently he's been out or hurt whatever this year. Um, yeah. But yeah, honestly, the Diamondbacks should be listening on everyone. To be frank, everyone. I and I will throw Cattell Marte in there too. If someone calls for Cattell Marte and just absolutely blows you away with an offer, I don't think you just go, "No, we're not. We're not gonna." Trade he's in, untouchable. He's you untouchable. don't do that. Yeah. No,
1: nobody's untouchable in my opinion, except Zach Gallon.
2: That I would agree with that too. Um,
0: You'd be kind of selling a little low in a year where he's been injured twice already yep, in the right, first two months. Right. And
2: I think he's a
1: good pitcher. I think he can hey, be a, a a piece for the future here. But that, that's something that I wanted to talk about really fast. I know we're going to talk about the Escobar trade, but Gallon had eight strikeouts in five innings the other day. He was limited to a pitch count of below ninety because of the injuries. So. Uh, and he gave up a leadoff home run outside of that didn't give up a single run his entire outing he looked great so uh, I mean and this was a Brewers team that didn't do too well against us uh overall but uh, I will say that he looked really good in his outing and I'm very encouraged about that for the future I just don't think that that's enough like you said to Trade him at yeah. this point because you're not going to nearly get the value that he actually has. He's, he's going to be an all-star. Pitcher.
0: I'd probably say it's easy to say that Zach Allen is your untouchable. I would put Carson Kelly in that category just based on what he's accomplished this season, the hmm. growth he's shown, the and position the position he plays. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's
2: the not posi- a lot of good catchers. Yeah, out it's there. hard to get he's, a
1: catcher. He's young. He's only getting better. Yeah, and I mean, there's still uh, there's still a lot of time to prove that that Goldschmidt trade was and a good trade. He's, I don't he's
2: know. had a couple freak injuries this year he yeah. has a fractured toe and then he gets hit by a 96 mile an hour fastball by walker bueller but
1: freak injuries is what this team
2: is all about <laughs> this year
0: but escobar makes sense in a
2: deal he's sure. an expiring free agent and i mean he's not he's not having a terrible season he's hitting 242. Um, Which isn't great But he He leads the D-backs In home runs With 16 And RBIs With 46 Yeah What's his on base Do you have that
1: there Uh I feel
2: like it's not good. His on-base is 290.
1: Not, yeah, not He doesn't good. get on-base. No. Not great. He's, he's hitting his way on the base. That's right. Right. But
0: he'll put the ball over the wall. That's he's, the thing. He
1: swings a lot. He strikes out a lot. That'll
0: be appealing to a team like the White Sox that already has a lot of talented core members around yeah. him. I think
1: I think the thing about Escobar, once again, is he's a veteran right now at this point by all comparison uh, to the White Sox lineup. Yeah. So I think there's a lot there that he could bring. That's true. He's a good I, clubhouse guy still. I also think that it's one of those situations where we'll probably see him do much better elsewhere. Not based on the fact that he's better, but there's less pressure on him. We saw him hit 100 and some odd RBI. I can only imagine him going back on that s- same kind of tear that he did when it was, yeah. what was it, 2018, I believe? I think
0: that was, was that 19, 19. that he hit hundred over 100 RBIs?
1: Yes, in yeah. 2019, yeah.
2: he hit 35 homers with 118
1: RBIs. That's an impressive season. I remember interviewing him after he got, like I think the last couple of RBI, we did a you know media scrum, and he was honestly surprised. He never imagined seeing himself being a, a, a 100 RBI guy. He doesn't look like a slugger when right. you just see him. He's kind of a
0: shorter guy. He is. He's not super jacked. It's the fogo. He's got a great yeah. fogo de chao. <laughs> He's got it's a the, great swing secret. though. So I don't I don't know. He would be a really, really interesting does. piece for somebody like the White Sox. Are, are there any I, other rumors you've seen? Other not, than Escobar? not really.
2: I'm supr- Peralta, I think maybe. I'm, I've seen Peralta's name brought up. I've yeah. seen, I've just, I think those are the two guys that are most likely to be dealt, honestly. Right.
1: I'm still surprised that Josh Reddick's name hasn't come up. I think that his, you know, reputation is still a bit tarnished. And some yeah. opposing fans at uh, all, all the opposing fans at, at Chase Field love to uh, give them the business when, when they're there. And it's, it's almost like a, it's, it's like cliche now, it's like past that point. I think the Astros have finally successfully gotten to that point where if you're picking on Astros players or the Astros, other the rest of us kind of eye roll at you and say, "Come on, we've right. moved on." Past You've this played play. enough
0: teams to this point too that you're playing them again. So correct, playing them the second time, they're not
1: probably not going to pick on you as much. Right, but Josh Reddick just being on the one year contract, what he has to offer and what he's done for this team has been really good, I think that uh, there's more to him than just what his stats show and I know he's kind of dropped off over the last couple of weeks weeks, but he was really hot there for a minute uh, coming out and once, once he joined the major league club I, I again I'm surprised I think he's somebody that the Diamondbacks would easily part with He could make sense I'm just thinking out loud here,
0: correct me if I'm wrong He could make sense for a team like the Red Sox who's unexpectedly good this year that might need a corner bat. Uh, the Indians uh don't believe in outfielders, so <laughs> they can always use an outfielder. Yeah. Well, Ahmed Rosario is their center feeling, <laughs> yeah, sure. freaking shortstop. Yeah. So I mean like there are teams out there that are competitive right now. Maybe I don't know what the A's roster looks like as a whole, but maybe they could use an outfield bat or I don't know. I'm just throwing this out there. But there are teams that I think would make sense for Josh Reddick, but I wonder if the sample size is too small. I
1: still He's like, only been here like a month. Right, uh, and, and I think maybe that's it. Maybe it's a matter of seeing, you know, um, not not seeing enough or, or whatever. I know the Diamondbacks probably don't want to get rid of him because they're just so thin. At this point, I think that might be one of the things that prevents them from making any trades is who do they fill the ro- roster and lineup with right. unless they're trading for another active MLB player and not, Prospects. I think I,
2: yeah, because the depth, like we've talked about, the depth of this team is just like it's so bad. That yeah. if you do trade... Why- I-, I continue to ask myself, why is Josh Reddick still getting playing time on a team like this that should be kind of looking at young guys? Because they don't have any young guys to bring up right now to put out in right field or left field or what have you. Paven Smith is playing center field. Pavin Smith is a first baseman. Well, I mean... He- and he had a great run in the beginning of the season. Yeah. He's been really bad the last I- I two, don't to- mind- two to three weeks. I don't mind Pavin Smith in right field, but yeah field. no 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 i don't want that oh uh, that just popped in my head just the summation of this season for this team was that play against the brewers where daniel Vogelback mm. basically looked like he tore his hamstring running around third and stopped running and the d-back still couldn't get him out at home plate <laughs> like are you yeah. serious i was watching dalton varsho is sitting at at home plate he's catcher that night screaming screaming at, at Rojas and Nick Ahmed. Throw me the ball. Yeah. This dude, this the incredible Hulk is sitting right here and he's not running. I can tag him and it, it will be fine. But and what's weird about that, like Josh Rojas, I know he's a young player, so whatever, but Nick Ahmed, what are you doing? Like th- they gave up on the play. They gave up on the play. <laughs> they had their heads down not paying attention. This team, so many times this year, has done something like this. Whether it's Ildemaro Vargas not wearing freaking sunglasses in a day game in Oakland and losing two pop flies. Whether it's Cattell Marte and David Peralta letting balls fall in between them. Josh Reddick and Paven Smith in San Francisco letting a ball fall in between them in right center field. What is this team doing? Vogel- the little things have just gone out the window and they don't care.
1: Vogelbach should have been out by 30 feet.
2: Yes, even without a
1: torn hamstring. Easily. Uh no, no. <laughs> He's no, huge. No, he <laughs> would so he would have made it just fine without the torn hamstring. I don't even know what Vogelbeck he Vogelback gave up like on the play. Hamstring. He gave oh, yeah. up on the play. He couldn't move. He was so far outside of the base path. And I I understand it. Like a lot of people don't. It's third base. And they are totally allowed to make the most ridiculously yeah, wide yeah. turn when turning Oh, yeah. Third you come in hot to you third can slide and slide from going. whatever angle you yeah. want, and, basically. And the thing about that is you can't really change the rule or call someone out because I saw a lot of people wanting that just because the guy went slowly right. outside of the base path. <laughs> right. Whereas most guys running full speed right. totally take that same. <laughs> it's like they can't route. control themselves. Right. Yeah. But this was different. He could have, he just still walked. He walked in a way that he wanted to give the Diamondbacks plenty of opportunity to get him out so that instead Come and of, get me. instead of going to home plate he could have just turned and gone to the dugout. That's what yeah. he was going for there. Um, well I know it's the Diamondbacks dugout, but still. Uh it it the thing is you're right. It is the epitome of this season. It's the epitome of what is the difference between last season defensively and this season? What is the difference between 2019 and this season? I understand it's different players, but like you said, Nick Ahmed, a gold-glover at shortstop, a guy who basically has cemented his position because of his defensive play and not because of his bat or anything else, right? Because he's terrible sometimes at the plate, yet he has been flawless at times as a shortstop, and that play is... Giving up. That play is m- not just a mental mistake. That play is giving up. And I, I can't say much more about it other than Dalton Varsho was all of us. He was all of us. I heard a couple of curse words from, from the press box. I heard him yelling every single word from the press. So you can't say that he wasn't... Or, you know, they, there was no. Oh, like, we didn't know. Didn't know it. Like, yeah, you couldn't hear, hear you. it all over the stadium. Yeah, you can't make that excuse. It's it's wild. I I didn't know what to say on that other than at the first. The, my initial reaction to it was asking the guy in the press box next to me, "Did they just do that out of like some sort of good faith?" Was that like in? Like, oh, so- Daniel Vogelbach. He would have been safe. Yeah, yeah. Like, he would have been safe. So it feels like just pouring salt in the wound of an injury by like right. throwing it in. But you're a team that's lost a, a franchise record number of games in a row. Take what you can. You get. You take anything, <laughs> and that's the difference. Look at how many games. Look at how frustrating it is to see them come so close, and those nine to eight losses, and those seven to six losses. And the, what the thirteen to nine losses in San Francisco? There were so many losses where you cannot blame it on the offense. You can blame it on those little additional runs that they gave up to the opposing teams. Runs at times that could have been saved and make the difference in you know in in, in at, at the end of the game. I remember I think it was Escobar or, or hmm, I, I want to say it was Escobar made an error. During one of those close games, and that's the inning that they scored a bunch of runs. That error would have been uh, would have would have been out number two, and then he got out number three on the next batter. Instead, <laughs> I think two or three runs score, and they lose that game by two or three runs. Like those are the mistakes Il- that they don't make, but those are the things that make the difference.
2: Ildemaro Vargas with the sunglasses, he let that pop up drop, and that runner scored later in that inning. Like that's what does it. That's just, it's just they're playing embarrassing baseball right
1: now. I- I've heard. Tori Lavolo say the same things over and over again. It sounds cliche. It sounds like just... What else just, is he gonna say? Well, exactly <laughs> like, you know, like- but at the same time, the things that he's saying, they're not changing. You know, that's not anything different. I had a friend of mine come to me and tell me that at his job that he, you know, does phone calls, he got gets reviewed, mm-hmm. you know, gets yeah. QA's done on him, and he was he told me to my face, he was like, Man. The reviewer told me that I missed the same thing on the last call, and I told them, "Why are you bringing up old stuff?" And I could just sit there <laughs> looking at his face, going, "Because you missed the same thing. Because yeah. you did it wrong you again. Did it again. You're and not like, just
0: making a mistake. You're doing it multiple times." Yeah, but times, that that happened time. yesterday. I but don't know why you're talking about why are you it. Bringing up old yeah. stuff, and right. like
1: this is kind of that where it feels at times like Lavolo is bringing up the same stuff because nothing's changing. He he can talk about this and that. He could again. You can fire the hitting coaches and blame the offense, but the offense is putting crooked numbers on the board. This isn't the Randy Johnson era of 2-1 to losses and 2-0 to losses. This is them not being able to stop the opposing team from scoring runs. Whether you blame it on the pitching or you blame it on terrible defense. They're both bad. They're both bad. They're both making this happen. Can I tell you guys a roster move
0: that I saw this week that really surprised me? When they DFA'd Stephon Crichton.
1: DFA'd Crichton.
0: Uh, For those who might not be as in the weeds as us when it comes to baseball, DFA means you're designated for assignment. They're essentially sending you to the minor leagues, but you have the option. Somebody can trade for you in 10 days, or if you clear waivers, you go to the minor leagues, as long as you're cool with it. So... Stefan uh, Stephon Crichton, uh, at the beginning of the season, correct me if I'm wrong, he had a fantastic 2020. Granted, it was like a two-month season, and they didn't have any other good relievers. But it sounded to me like from Mike Hazen at the beginning of the season and in spring training that Stefan Crichton was like their golden boy in the bullpen. He was
1: going to possibly be the closer over Joaquin Soria, the guy who they acquired to be the closer. He there essentially was, no- was, because Soria was hurt. And, well, that's what I mean. Once Soria yeah. got hurt, then that position was kind of his to lose Stephon at point. Crichton,
2: by the way, is leading the club in saves with four.
1: With four. Yeah, that's well, not a you, lot of wins. Well, you have 21 wins? Yeah. it's 25% of the games have been saved <laughs> by Stephon Crichton. Yeah.
2: Davinsky has one, and Riley Smith has one.
1: Oh it doesn't mean he can't come back, but... How many wins does Crichton have?
2: Oh, I don't know. Oh. Uh, well,
0: on. you don't want your guy at the back end of the bullpen getting wins.
1: Shut up! I want to hear this answer. I bet he has more wins. than the He is zero and four. Oh, he's zero. Sorry, 4. Derek. Okay. No, Sorry,
2: Derek. A six four ERA. Six and four ERA. I don't is don't even whip. Man, what's his whip? One eight four. Ugh, that's really terrible for. But you Lever.
0: know what? Nobody in that bullpen's doing any better. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> Caleb Smith was doing better, and then they started him again. Noe Ramirez.
1: Who just got brought in, right? Yeah, I mean, right now, he's our best reliever, in my opinion. (laughs) He's the only shutdown guy I've seen go in there and pitch shutdown. Riley Smith's been good. At times, I think, you know, I've I've criticized Lavello for riding a reliever that's doing well for too long, right? Right. And then I found myself criticizing him for taking out a guy... (laughs) <laughs> that was doing well to put right. in a different reliever, right?
0: Well, I mean, that's that's the age-old the age question, you know, like how long do you leave a guy in? Because if you leave him in too long, eventually they're going to give
1: up a run, Correct. and it won't be a good yeah. performance anymore because right. relievers oh don't pitch a lot. God. I believe in the chocolate chip cookie theory when it comes to relievers. Which you, is? You got to trust your gut and go with the time you set. Right? The recipe says 12 minutes. You say 12 minutes. Just because those cookies are still in a liquid form at 12 minutes, (laughs) they are going to solidify and become (laughs) delicious, soft baked cookies. But you can't be impatient about it. You got to know when to take them out and you got to trust your gut. You take out the guy, and I think Lavolo can't even trust himself anymore. I think Lavolo's second guessed himself so many times now. He's second guessed himself to death. And it's not even his fault. It's the fact that there's no reliability. You know, he, he thinks he can rely on a guy and boom. Uh, you know, blows the lead, blows the save. Crichton couldn't even register an out in a game that he got brought into. He gave up three runs, four runs. Like that was kind of the end for him. It was uh Tuesday's game. And I just you know, I, I watched him kind of in, in awe of how bad he was out there. I think he hit a guy. I mean, it was it wasn't a good like it, you, it's never a good look for a reliever to go out there and not be able to get an out, but like everything went bad right. for him. He did everything wrong that you could possibly do and didn't even register a single out.
0: It's just crazy that like three months ago, we thought we had like one bullpen piece we could count on. And then Soria comes into the picture and we're like, okay, now we have two
2: bullpen pieces. Now nope. we have nothing. Nope.
0: I don't. I don't think there's a single guy well, in that bullpen.
2: Well, if that you remember, I would say that guy's going to be here. And next well, year. if you remember too, at the very start of the season when they had a couple save opportunities in San Diego, who came out of the bullpen in the ninth? Chris Davinsky.
1: Yep. Yeah. Weird. Weird stuff. Very well, weird year for the bullpen. Here's and you know I don't know if I we covered this last week. I'm sure we may have, but like some of their reactions to bad performances are almost seem knee jerk. Uh, Curry Maya got called up and sent back or DFA'd the next day. Because yeah. he had a bad outing, you know, yeah. in relief. I don't, I don't know what to say to that. I mean, the. I know you, he's not like a core piece to the bullpen, but right? But you've given other people one day? so many more opportunities. Yeah. I also understand that to us idiots, these moves seem incredibly short-sighted. But there's a bigger there's always a bigger thing at play. You know right. what I mean? There's always contractual limitations, how many call-ups and send-downs they have, all that kind of stuff, right? Sure. So you you never know if they're doing this stuff for a different purpose and having these conversations with the players. I think that's the one thing that has hurt this team is been you you have the situation with Mike Hazen. Mike Hazen is a guy that likes to be there at Chase Field. He likes to handle these situations very personally likes to talk to the players Lavalo likes to make sure he's discussing everything with the players before it goes out to the media or before people hear it you know before these guys are hearing it from twitter or something else uh but it definitely feels like at this point there's a lot of you know quick decisions being made and i'm just wondering if it's due to the situation with mike hazen and the gm and and having multiple moving pieces all working together to, to make make these calls
0: Speaking of Hazen, this week, I think it was a John Heyman tweet. Am I right on that, Bear? Talking about how uh, the organization still has faith in Hazen. Or maybe it was Nightingale. I can't. No, remember it was John one. Heyman. It was Heyman? Okay. Yeah. Talking about the organization still has faith in Mike Hazen. I think we do, too, uh, yeah. collectively as a podcast. Yeah. Don't let me speak for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hazen, we trust, the tweet okay. The tweet
2: says from John Heyman, Diamondbacks ownership, so Ken Kendrick. Garrett, Essentially, yeah. yeah. Retains faith in GM Mike Hazen, which is fine. That's totally fine. I do, too. A tri- but here's where it gets kind of sideways for me. Attributes most of their historic 5-and-40 slide – this is four days ago, by the way – to injuries. Mad Bum, Gallon, Weaver, Widener, four-fifths of the rotation were all out. But here's the kicker. does And they don't believe they are as far away as they seem. Here's the problem I have with this, and it's I think I've had a problem with it for a while. Since – when Mike Hazen and Tori Lovello came over – from, from Boston to take over this team. We all kind of thought, okay, they're going to rebuild here. They're going to build the farm system there, and which they have, they, they, their farm system was a train wreck when Mike Hazen got here. And now it's regarded as one of the top farm systems in major league baseball. So that's fine. But the thing is 2017, they were good, which is, is I think a thing that we weren't all expecting. And, they went for it. They got J.D. Martinez, and they didn't give up a lot for J.D. Martinez, and they really hit a home run with him.
1: And ha. literally, ha. He said, literally he said the name of the movie in the movie.
2: <laughs> he said it. <laughs> he said it. <laughs> but ever since then, ever since 2017, when they got ousted from the playoffs from by the Dodgers, they've kind of ridden this fence between rebuilding and trying to compete. After they don't pay JD Martinez because he got a bunch of money from the Red Sox, obviously they went bargain bin shopping for Steve with Steven Souza Jr., and that didn't work out. And basically, the only the only uh, I don't know what the word is, but the only thing you looked at from Steven Souza Jr. that you're like, okay, cool, is that he hit 30 home runs the year before, but he hit 230. And then he his experience as a D back was not good. He get Riddled with injuries, a freak injury at home plate when they put the new turf in, they didn't tell him what spikes to wear. He slips on home plate, tears every ligament in his knee, and he's never takes the field for the D-backs again. They they uh, non tender him, and now he's with the Dodgers, hitting home runs in Chase Field. And then he hit a home run, yes, against Ugh. the Diamondbacks,
1: but, that won the game.
2: But the thing is, here when, when John Heyman tweets that the ownership doesn't believe they are as far away as they seem, they're pretty dang far away. I mean, I I would think to believe that even if all these guys are healthy at the same time, this is still not a playoff team. No, especially with the Giants being an upstart team as much as they are, and the Dodgers and Padres being who they are, this team's not making the playoffs. So I don't understand like the why we continue to ride the fence between a full teardown and and going out and getting guy. I don't I don't know. I, I just don't know what the right direction is
0: yes derek you do not have to raise your hand this I is an raise open my
2: forum hand, though, <laughs> by the way no one can
1: see you <laughs> yeah, i still doing like, it to be polite this is a podcast format it's because i'm excited and i want to take enough. a position of positivity here to counter bear don't accept negativity <laughs> and his lack of faith in rebuilding in one way or another bear what are you a fan of what the phoenix suns have done this season yes well, Uh-oh. would you believe that in 2018 19, their record was 19 and 63, and they were 38 games out of first place in the Western Conference in the National Basketball Association? My point being that things can turn around quickly.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll make a counterpoint. I'm going in defensive bear. Go ahead. Uh, in the NBA, you it's add one good player. And your team takes a tremendous leap. I'm going the Suns to... added Chris Paul. They took a... no. There's a lot of other things in there. There's campaign. There's Crowder. Jay Crowder. There's a lot of it. There but is... Chris Paul is by far the number one thing that shoots you from not making the playoffs to all of a sudden you're in the Western Conference Finals. Just that would not work two in baseball
1: games without Chris Paul in the playoffs. I'm confused. My point <laughs> being is that you can never be too down about the team. You can never be, like, just because terrible. Just terrible. If it was that easy to make that leap, though, they would have done it more in the last 20 years. I'm not saying it's that easy. I'm not saying it's that easy. I'm going back to the comment that was made about them feeling like this team isn't that far off. Now, I know it seems ridiculous, right? But again, this is coming from the people who know when they can and can't spend money. This is coming from the people who knew the decisions that they were making this offseason. Do you think they're surprised that the team isn't in a position of making the playoffs or even being over 500, considering all they added was Tyler Clippard and Joaquin Soria during the offseason? Whoa, hey, as, as, as Drupal. <laughs> <laughs> and as Drupal Cabrera, hey. sorry. Whoa. Yeah, he's probably Slow your roll, he's the but most important the piece, thing, to the, be honest. But the
2: thing that I think is weird, too, is before last season, they went for it. They signed Madison Bumgarner. They traded two, I want to say, two top 15 prospects for Starling Marte. And and Starling Marte was a good move. And they traded him away. And I thought that was not a good move. But it's just weird how they went from, and I know COVID happened and it wiped out a bunch of money and all that stuff, but it's crazy how they went from, let's go get madison bumgarner and spend 85 million dollars on him and trade two top prospects for starley and Marte to all of a sudden we're, we're 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 the worst team in baseball we're not gonna we're gonna go get as cabrera and tyler clippard and joaquin soria
1: here's part of it though one of the reasons why i said at the beginning of the season that they weren't going to do this was like a lot of mlb, MLB teams financial uncertainty now bear you've attended games at chase field am i wrong no. Okay. <laughs> you, I have been in the building. You yeah. have been in the building. Let me ask you this. If it wasn't for the opposing fans spending money for tickets to the game, what would that stadium look like, Bear? Well, you saw it over the week with Milwaukee, right? 6,000 6, fans. 6,000 fans. 6,000 fans. 7,000 fans. Can we just... And most of them... We're Milwaukee Brewers fans. It doesn't matter what game you go to. The majority of the fans are the fans of the opposing team in this city. That's a melting pot that people Mm. come from everywhere. And at least, at the very least... The opposing fans are what is keeping this team afloat financially right now. Anytime you want to be mad that the Dodgers fans oh, come out the way goodness. they did this past weekend. Can we just talk about that for a minute? I have just, never just a seen minute? the stadium like that in my I've entire been, life.
2: I've been to my fair share of D-backs Dodger games in person. I went to a D-backs Dodger playoff game it's in the 2017. It's the hot ticket. It's the one team I you want to go see I have never seen... This the ratio the way it was. uh, uh, I went to the the Saturday game when the Dodgers were in town. It was. Easily and I'm not even exaggerating. Ninety five percent Dodger fans. Walker Bueller had a no hitter going, and it's the and when he was removed after the he gave up the no hitter to David Peralta, it was the loudest I've heard that stadium. It was a deafening since Archie Bradley hit that freaking triple in the wild card. Deafening
1: standing ovation. Throughout the stadium.
0: Wasn't that also around the time that the home crowd the home crowd, I'm gonna put that in air quotes. The home crowd started booing the D backs during the lineups. It, yes. well
2: it was the Dodger fans yeah. booing. It was the Dodger fans booing the But still it's in our lineup. building.
1: Yeah. It's incredible. Well, okay, part of it is It's a disheartening little, at most. It's embarrassing. It's man. a little it's a little lack of class on fans' part. I think there's a decorum as an opposing fan that you do in in, in, in the, the ballpark that you're going to that's for that you as a visitor, right? The problem is is when you know that you're in the majority. Oh yeah. And that's what's yeah. really happening with opposing fans is they're in the majority, they know it, so they can treat this like an LA home game. There was a small child in our section on Saturday <laughs> that
2: tried to start a Let's Go D backs chant and by the sound of this child's voice Maybe the, five probably maybe six? five to seven years old. Sure. Let's go D backs and every he's every I'm time kidding. every time he tried, Let's go Dodgers. Like these adults that are just like it's a freaking kid, man. Yeah. yeah. But Derek's right. When you're in the majority as an opposing fan base, you you're just like, home This is my throne now. Yeah. This is. I can yeah. do what. This is my kingdom. Right. Right. I can do. Th- it truly was. Dodger Stadium East. And I hate that nickname. I've always hated it. But those
1: losses should have counted but, towards that road loss man, streak yeah. is what they should have it's, counted it was.
2: It was not even close. The entire bleachers in, in right field, which they normally are for Dodgers. They have a traveling fan club or whatever that always takes over those seats in Chase Field. Blue and white. I would have needed a telescope to find a D backs uniform or D backs gear amongst the fan in in that section
1: of of seats. No, I will it say insane. this. I will say this. The fans, the fans, aside from doing fan stuff like that, they were fine. I saw a bunch of people you know interacting being fine as a matter of fact the only people i saw being sons and four guys were you know amped up <laughs> sons fans that were there that were yeah, a, yeah they a little angry about the besides, losing besides and had a little the, too, too
2: much to drink besides the killing of the child's dreams behind me that I, I didn't have a single problem with any fans right. nobody came up to me like you suck like i didn't see any altercation i had or nothing, d-backs yeah. shirt and i had a I, I don't remember if i had a hat on whatever but it was you always have a hat on well well, now with, yeah. that, with that being
1: said, I probably should. I'm probably going to go ball. i my, probably not wearing hats. Then
0: you'll I need can the tell hat you from more. Experience it's going to
1: happen. <laughs> um, the one thing I will say is that with with all of that being said, uh, the Diamondbacks were right. They were right about the financial uncertainty. They were right about how it was going to impact things. You know, um, this sta- you can look around the stadium and see shops still closed where they haven't really made any kind of. Uh, you know they haven't put anything in to replace what used to be there, like with the Valley Paradise Valley Burger Company. I don't know if they're coming back, but they're just not for, there anymore. No, well they've been closed oh, all year. The stand sucks. is the stand is still there, but outside of Gadzooks, uh, they haven't added a single thing. And they're big. Fridays on Fridays is still empty, right? Yeah, Fridays is bacon. gone. Yeah, yeah it's, it's That was the last TGI Fridays in Arizona, by the way. No more. R.I.P. Uh, I'm not really that sad about it. No, well you know Applebee's I mean, is still around, so that's all we need. Uh, I, I'll, I'll say though that they were right. The uncertainty, the uncertainty. Oh, Bear's gagging on Applebee's. Um, The uncertainty. I used used to love Applebee's. (laughs) I used Uh, to love them. I'll just say that. But financially, they knew that the season was a risk. Now, the stadium opened up to 100% capacity and everything, I'm sure, faster than they thought that things were going to go. So I think the impact of COVID was more on their mind as far as financially than you know, than it just not being a good team and fans not showing up. And and I think the the counter
2: the counter to if you want more of your own fans to show up, you got to put
1: a winning product on the field. Correct. You have to look at the Suns again. Yes, look at what the Suns exactly. Have done. Even when the Suns were bad, they were still not having an issue with with having fans come in. They still you know it's it's still an entertaining thing because the team was young and fun to watch. The Diamondbacks are not fun to watch. No, they're not. It's aggravating. It's
2: frustrating. It's maddening as a fan. I I have a friend who is a lifelong D-backs fan like me, uh, and he found a bunch of old videotapes at his mom's house, and he bought a thing to convert them to DVDs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And he was going through a bunch of them, and he found a random random D-backs game on a Wednesday in 2003. Kurt Schilling was pitching, and it was a home game, obviously. The pl- a random Wednesday game. I can't remember who they were playing. The place was sold
1: out. Was this a day game? I don't know.
2: Because I'm just saying Wednesday is typically I'm not the getaway sure. game. I'm not sure. Uh, it was a random day of the week game. Wow. And the place was sold out. Hmm. For just a random regular season game. You know why? Because two years ago they won a World Series. The World right. Series
1: effect. Yeah. So if and you, you can still be terrible and right. people will still show up because there's that residual exactly. championship I'm, I'm sh- energy. I'm
2: sure in 2004 when they lost 111 games, at first the attendance probably wasn't that bad, but then it wore off. But then oh, it wore
1: wrong. off. When I get out after of the, they traded Randy Johnson, <laughs> when, when I get out of the press elevator and make my sad walk to my car, my sad lonely walk next to the Your train head tracks, just down. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, the the song from The Incredible Hulk <laughs> right. plays. You know, yeah, right. Um,
2: dun, 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 dun,
1: dun, dun. <laughs> but. Uh, as I get off the elevator, there's a giant, like the size of this pillar in front of us that people listening can't see, but there's a giant, like, mural. You're uh, so good at podcasting, I, I, by yeah, the way. Uh, there's a giant, you know, um, World Series trophy picture of the year that they won it, right? Right. And every time I get off the elevator and see that, I just think, my God, they're so far away from that. There's so. 20 years. No, not just. Oh, just, oh not you mean time. in terms of.
2: The team. I don't mean
1: time, yeah. I mean the team, right? Yet, I still, even though I think that because I'm watching them lose night after night, I still don't disagree with what they said. I don't think this team's that bad, and I don't think this team's that far off. I just think that, you know, people really need to think about how much they've lost to injuries and how that really just took this team in the darkest possible
0: timeline. I don't think they have the worst roster in baseball. Right. All healthy? I don't I really don't. I think they're starting pitching. I'd probably go with the Tigers.
2: The maybe. Orioles are pretty bad.
0: Well, the Orioles, but they have a couple of young promising players. I mean, John Means looks really Cedric good, Mullen's, Cedric Mullins,
1: Ryan really Mountcastle. Yeah. Here's what I will say though about this season. They knew how uh limited their roster was. And yep. they didn't do anything to improve that. They planned on really. writing young guys and call-ups and things like that, doing this mix of the veterans that they had, the the few pieces they acquired. They shopped on the, in the clearance section. Basically, is basically what happened. Sure, I the way I like to see it is they saw that thin ice, do not play on and they went out and played a hockey game. <laughs> they were like bring the nets, bring the sticks it. boys, we're going to play. Do it. And it it caved in on them. You know, and and you know, here they are drowning in this ice water. And this is like a horrible <laughs> horror Mighty Ducks movie. It really driving. is. Yeah. It's, it's the, again, the darkest possible timeline for the Mighty Ducks. I dig it. I dig it. Uh, but yeah, that's where they're at. I mean, they played <laughs> they played a dangerous game knowing how, how thin their roster was. Yeah. And, and it came out to bite them in the worst possible way, in a historically significant way, where they are setting all the wrong records, both franchise-wise and in MLB. You yeah, know?
0: your best player shouldn't be the 35-year-old right fielder who wasn't signed by a team and you had to go get him a month into the
2: season. He has a mohawk for Pete's sake. Yeah. He's about to go play in Mexico.
0: Nothing against Josh Reddick,
1: but like he shouldn't be the best player on the team no, right now. No, he shouldn't be. He's, he's And he kind of is. He's a wonderful spark plug for this team. He's trying his best to just, you know, because he's not, he's not really part of this terrible losing the way that other guys are. The way that guys that were on the 2018 right. team right now are just lost and hopeless. He, at least, he's been there. He's seen it before. He's been in a lot of different situations. So he's just trying to do his best to pick people up, have a positive like atmosphere around the team, and try to get guys out of this funk. It's just so bad that it doesn't seem to be working.
0: When I got out of that tweet that said they don't think they're as far off as they seem, what that rings in my ears is we're not going to trade everybody. We yes. might get rid of Escobar, yeah. maybe Peralta goes. You might. It, it, it might even be kind of like last season where they shipped four guys, four key players. Four key players, yeah. Four Out guys that you didn't
1: expect. It to might see even
0: leave. be like that and quite frankly I think it probably should be if you're expecting any sort of decent return. But to me that doesn't say like we're getting rid of Nick Ahmed, we're getting rid of all of our pitchers, we're getting rid of all of our bullpen, which by the way I don't think anybody would take any of their pitchers at this point um nope. But I don't know. I hear that as a bit of confidence,
1: even in the darkest of moments. But I'll say this we'll much: if they trade David Peralta and I don't get to hear that song that plays when he goes to the plate that starts off with "I Problema," I'm going to be very mad. Well, he has I a Problema
0: hyped. right now. I
1: have a problem with that. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> Problema.
0: Uh, I guess we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks. Yikes. I mean, there's not a whole lot of time left to trade guys. And if this Escobar rumor is as hot as it seems, the
1: White Sox might pull the trigger sooner rather than later. And it's not it's not helped at all. The rumor isn't helped at all by the fact that Escobar's been out of the lineup with an injury that's day-to-day, essentially. Not not putting him on any kind of injured list that would... Keep a trade from happening until he came off of it. Or anything I hope like
0: Hazen that. calls Tony Larusa and and negotiates the trade with him because then you know we're gonna win
2: that. Trade. Oh yeah, <laughs> we'll take Jose Abreu. <laughs> yeah. Luis Robert yeah <laughs>
0: what's Tim, Tim Anderson doing
2: bring yeah. him on uh, over I want Tim yeah. okay well let's finish up with that Michael Kopech he throws hard give me him we thank
0: you so much for listening to the podcast despite uh, all, of Derek, all of Derek's references of physical objects in the room no, with I'm, us I'm so sorry you it's should fine. see Steve messing with his microphone they're not right even now. in the room with us oh, Derek yeah,
1: just telling people what's happening
0: <laughs> I'm Steve Zinsweister. that's Derek Montia and Cody Fincher as well we thank you so much for listening to the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app.